Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for our Hot Topics in Pharmacy Practice podcast. This podcast is a forum where you can listen in as members share emerging trends, key topics, and areas across medicine. My name is Anna Legger-Dopp. I'm a staff member here at ASHP, and I will be your host today for ASHP's Hot Topics in Pharmacy Practice podcast, which is titled The Rapid Alliance, Research to Accelerate in Pharmacy Innovation and Delivery of Services to Improve Population Health. The Rapid Alliance seeks to advance implementation science-informed strategies for protecting and improving the U.S. population health and well-being through pharmacists and pharmacies working in collaboration with connected stakeholders. We have two experts joining us for the podcast, Dr. D. Antimisiaris and Dr. Judith Thornwell. They are with the University of Louisville School of Public Health and Information Sciences within the Center for Health Organization Transformation, which is a federally awarded National Science Foundation Industry University Collaborative Research Center. With that, I'll turn it over to my guests to do further introductions. Dee? Hi, I'm Dee Antimisieras. Dee is short for Dimitra. And I'm a faculty member in the University of Louisville School of Public Health Department of Health Management and System Sciences. I'm the director of our polypharmacy program, which is an endowed program dedicated to studying polypharmacy. In the region of Kentucky, polypharmacy is often the highest per capita burden in the country. So it's been quite an honor to study about polypharmacy here. And we've, um, we'll discuss this a little later, but we're in the School of Public Health with intention. And uh, that's part of what we're gonna talk about today. Wonderful. My name is Judah Thornwell. I'm also in the School of Public Health. Um, my background is at the intersection of public health, economics, social theory, and I've done a lot of work in information sciences, but perhaps most of all, I'm known as a collaboration scientist. And my research passion and interest for many years has been how do we take, say, a whole state or a whole country or a multinational network and and establish collaborative successes by enabling many people from many different perspectives or disciplines to work together in new ways to improve the health and well-being of populations at scale. And it's not just policy, it's not just technology, it's not just practice, it's not just economics, it's all of this stuff. And it's really complex in a way, but it turns out there's a lot of emerging science that's showing us new ways to work together at large scale, especially as we use new digital technologies and communications tools like we're using today. So Anna, we are just honored and delighted to be able to be here with you and thanks so much to you and ASHP for this opportunity. Well, we're so glad to have you and we've learned so much from both of you and your team as well on this important work. Is there anything else before we dive deep into work that you're doing today and, and, and we'll continue to work on in the years ahead? Is there anything you want to talk about to share that led up to the work that we'll be talking about in this podcast? 
Well, the two things that I think that the audience might want to know is that my background is in pharmacy. So I am a PharmD. I did a residency in geriatrics in the 1980s, and I've been working, worked about half my career in the private sector as a nursing home, you know, consultant pharmacist and geriatrics pharmacist. Came to University of Louisville mid-career to study and create education and outreach about polypharmacy. And Judah, you have a unique background, and I'd like you to explain your expertise and your training and how you came about to that. Thanks, Dee. So I, I guess, broadly speaking, I've been working for at least 20 years at this kind of intersection of collaboration science, but we've been, you know, we all are watching ourselves as human beings move from focus on organizations, maybe focus on what's happening in a city, but all of a sudden we're globally connected and we're globally interconnected in all kinds of ways that we never imagined we could be. And I mean, it's just so new, right? And yet we now are at a point and, and medications is a great example where we have to work together to solve certain classes of problems. And if we stay in the kind of traditional silos, it's really hard to break out of those silos to make change happen. And so what we've got at the National Science Foundation Center for Health Organization Transformation is a kind of large-scale framework for research-driven collaboration. And we actually call it the Rapid Alliance STAR study framework. And STAR is short for scalable transformational action research. And it's a method for bringing together many researchers from multiple universities with top leaders and experts from across an entire field, whether it's medications or it could be type two diabetes and facilitate new kinds of collaborative decision-making that have not ever actually been brought together before because you couldn't without the technology. So what we're excited about in part is bringing some of these new methods and theories of large scale collaboration to bear. And that's actually how we got to know Anna and ASHP to begin with is, is through a kind of collaborative process that started about a year and a half ago. And um, relevant to, uh, I mentioned that uh, the polypharmacy program is in the School of Public Health. It didn't always start out there. It had been for 12 years in the School of Medicine. And I spent the past 12 years developing professional development, continuing education, um, undergraduate, graduate education to kind of study, well, what do clinicians need to know and know in terms of skills when it comes to medication management and polypharmacy? And after doing, I think, just about all that could possibly be done in the clinical world, this light bulb went on in my head, um, especially after talking to Judah, that actually that large-scale ecosystem of uh, collaboration is necessary to move the needle. So think about all the times in my career over 30 years that the pharmacy profession has tried to implement legislation to give us provider status, uh, to be able to make medication management a billable activity. And it goes up the legislative tree and it gets stopped by some stakeholder who doesn't understand it, who maybe doesn't uh, agree with it. And when I was talking to Judah, he made me realize that there's so much more to the ecosystem that has to be addressed in the research side and in the innovation side 
if we expect any of this to actually happen. And so that's kind of just to bring you up to speed that, you know, working in a silo, and even though we may not think it's a silo, like we work in big health systems, most pharmacists, and we have collaborations, we still don't necessarily include the payers, the people who are having trouble with access. We, we just include whatever, we study whatever we can within our reach. And so that's kind of the key of what's different about this study and this approach. And thanks to the National Science Foundation for supporting this sort of work. You're right. Across our profession, demonstrating our impact is an area of need. And then creating the framework to do that is also an area of need. So, so thanks for that important background. Judah, let's go back to you and have you just give an explanation of the Rapid Alliance Research Consortium and its desired outcomes. Okay. So first of all, kind of a couple of rules of large-scale collaboration. There's nothing like either a lot of money or a lot of pain to bring people together and to support change happening. And the Rapid Alliance actually got, it emerged in March, just as the COVID pandemic was spreading. Uh, This is 2020. And we were working with Sanity Pasteur on some related projects. And all of a sudden the world changed. And we said, what? Well, now it's COVID. What can we do that would make a difference research-wise? And our friends at Sanofi, who were PharmDs, said, you know, we think that the pharmacy pharmacist space is going to be right at the center of vaccines and testing. And also they're pretty darn underutilized and there's a lot of untapped potential. So we said, okay, let's take that as a hypothesis. Maybe that's true. How do we study it? And we put together a kind of large-scale national study to explore the proposition that the pharmacy and pharmacist sector could do a whole lot more. Nine months later, after engaging with a whole lot of key stakeholders and having wonderful insights, we concluded that that was absolutely right. Number one, empirically, non-optimized medications and vaccines adversely harm millions of Americans every year. Number two, $528 billion, give or take, of avoidable spending is out there tied to especially avoidable hospitalizations, emergency visits, and doctor visits, especially for chronically ill folks. And so this is, from a public health perspective, one of the biggest challenges in the country if you just on the raw numbers, only it's hard to get your hand around it, right? And then we also looked at what can we do and what can be done to move the needle. And the report that we published in, and and this is available on the rapidalliance.org website, it's freely available, lays out four transformational strategies for unlocking untapped potential of the entire pharmacy space to address this issue. And that the goal of the Rapid Alliance. And it essentially says, and I'll I'll summarize it very simply, if we can bring the key stakeholders together from across the ecosystem using new collaboration science methods, and if we can kind of guide it with really solid research from top researchers, from not, not just our group, but from across the country, we believe now in, in American history, there's a real time, a real opportunity for 
transformational change. And we are, we think now's the time to act. And we're doing our part by organizing a study that we call a Medications 360 study, which is bringing together key stakeholders at national and state scales. And that's really what the Rapid Alliance is. It's a research context to bring many people together. And we are in the process, Anna, as you know, of making a call to senior leaders, experts, and scholars from all over the country to join this large-scale research effort to see what we can do together that none of us can do alone to make really meaningful progress. Thanks for that explanation. Dee, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Not really. I think Judah really described it well. Um, I would encourage anybody who can to go to the rapidalliance.org website and take a look at the report. The method essentially is something akin to the Delphi method where you convene um, important stakeholders and you, you have debate until you get consensus, which is so much better than trying to implement something and then not get consensus. It's better you do that first. So that's why it was so successful. And with today's collaboration, science techniques, it's actually much easier than it ever has been. You know, the technology, a lot of things have helped us along in that regard. Sure. Judah, when you were just talking to you, you emphasize it the looking at um, optimizing patient health and minimizing patient harm. That really is, is the important focus at patient-centered peace. But beyond that, um, and, and we'll start with you, Dee, what do you think that your work will do for patients, at, but and then also for the profession of pharmacy? Okay, yeah. I want to um, emphasize, I know you meant your work as in uh, we're hosting it, but it's everybody's work because it's a collaborative work. <laughs> but excitingly, the topic for this, you know, you can use the same method for other huge problems in medicine or in general, but that the topic is medications kind of puts a spotlight on pharmacists and that we're using a collaboration science underpinning called intrinsic value theory. And one of the reasons why previous efforts um, may have failed and the collaboration hasn't gone as well is that kind of an absence of intrinsic value recognition for every stakeholder. And I would like to ask Judah to explain what intrinsic value theory is because, and relating back to what this means for pharmacy, I think for many, many years, pharmacy has sat on the sidelines, overtrained and really ready to contribute and yet not had its intrinsic value recognized. Uh, Judith, would you explain about intrinsic value theory and how it fits into collaboration? Yeah, so in its simplest sense, the idea is, you know, and I'll use the example, if we do this well in the next years, you know, the kind of outcome in mind is that patients, physicians, and nurses, pharmacists, health plans, and other key stakeholders are effectively working together to make good practice decisions, payment decisions, policy decisions, and technology decisions. Uh, 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 There's probably other areas as well. But how do you do that? Like, how do you get there? One of the uh, sort of outcome measures that we think has to happen is there need to be much stronger bonds of trust and connection between physicians and pharmacists. But what does that mean? 
Well, obviously they live in different worlds. They have significantly different educational backgrounds and the world around us all is changing anyway. So the intrinsic value idea is the idea, and it's a little bit counterintuitive, but, and I'll use myself. I can never understand more than a tiny fraction of Anna, what you understand as a pharmacist or D, what you understand as a pharmacist or as a person. I can never understand more than a fraction of what it's like to be an actual working physician, even though I have good friends who are. So we're kind of called to one another to just continually work to understand one another better to, you know, and intrinsic value is just a way of saying we honor one another. And what happens in the theory anyway, is when you come together with that kind of openness, this kind of magic happens. Like people just suddenly feel connected like they didn't before. They feel trust, they feel care. They come up with new ideas, innovation increases, uh, a sense of isolation decreases and connectedness increases. And this actually, and the, and the reason I went through this is this ends up having not only an effect on, on all the professions because we're now working together better, but ultimately, if you think about it, Patient care is about delivering services. And we all know there's tremendous problems with the way pharmacists and physicians and others serve patients because we use this kind of transaction model. And so if we, if we shift the entire paradigm, putting patients at the center and human connection at the center or intrinsic value at the center, the theory is it, it might have quite a remarkable impact at every level of what we do. If, if that does that make sense, Anna? Well, it does. The transact transactional versus the relational aspect yeah. for patient care, it certainly does. Yeah. So you can see how thematically this study will highlight the pharmacy practice because it's medications, but that it also will integrate the pharmacist into the whole ecosystem as well as the patient. So it will help patients and pharmacists by co-creating a solution. And I, and I know you were asking about outcomes, but one, one of the outcomes we hope and is, and, and we, we, we sort of got an open invitation. So if, you, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a leader or an expert or a scholar, or you know someone else who you think would be interested, we've kind of got this big tent approach and we invite you to join this study and help co-create this future. And this intrinsic value idea is very much at the heart of how we're going to be doing this because it's about creating conversations where th where we see the world a little differently. May I add something else about um, intrinsic value and this uh, collaborative method? Part of that is if if you're interested in this and, and you want to be part of it, money is not a barrier. You can participate in time. You can participate in just uh, input by collaboration. Um, and And... In the past, I always say that the only medical evidence we have is that which is sponsored. And, and that's a really unfortunate um, outcome in terms of in integrating patients and, and other stakeholders. So in this method, we invite a variety of participants, um, patients, patient advocacy groups, you name it, transportation. You know, some people have transportation as a barrier. Um, and so we want a vast participation for success. And we try to remove barriers by respecting people's intrinsic value. I mean, those who 
have funding who want to uh, participate or grants that we get, that's how we operationalize it. But I'm just saying that as an intrinsic value principle, we don't exclude people for any reason. Yeah, and thank you for that, because really the, the goal of this conversation that we're having is to give people the opportunity to learn more about the important research that's going to be done, uh, but also the, to, to try to engage more people. You've um, made such a compelling point about collaboration, and this is an opportunity for people that are interested to join in and to collaborate. And so, so thinking about that, uh, those you've helped fill in um, a lot of details on the on the overall um, effort or the the research and the science, the aims of your science, but then um, for those trying to figure out what's next, what what would you say are some of the next steps for for your work for all the work? So, like we said, things stay the same, stay the same, stay the same in ecosystems, and then there are moments where a lot of change can happen, and where th- we think we're at one of those moments where a lot of change can happen potentially, not guaranteed. Um, so what we're doing is inviting key leaders, experts and scholars from across the US in the medication space. This includes pharmacists, pharmacies, but also physicians, health plans, sponsors, federal government, state government leaders, uh, patient advocates, pharmaceutical firms, um, health IT firms and standards and measures firms, because these all are the key stakeholders. We're inviting them all to come together in a fast track or rapid (laughs) process of co-creating transformational strategies that can make a difference. And these could be policy or practice or payment. We're we're kind of, you know, it's an, you know, all, all, all the above kind of framework, right? So we've, do, we've got an open call. What that means in practice is if, if you're in this space and you feel interested or inspired in learning more, you can do the following. First of all, go to rapidalliance.org and click on the Medications 360 study. Um, you'll, there's lots of information there. Second, you can, at, at no cost, click and join. And you'll fill out a little three-minute profile, and it'll give you ways you can get involved. You can just observe, no time commitment. You just like you're there to learn and and see what's going on. That's an option. You can participate, and you actually be put into small groups called boats as part of what we call a research regatta, <laughs> and it's kind of fun, and, and you'll be brainstorming with other people who you might not normally be interacting with, to co-create strategies and next steps. You can also support us as a facilitator or a coxswain, like in the boat helping steer, especially if you're a scholar or a researcher. You can participate in some other ways as well as say a study topic section leader if you've got special knowledge about health IT or standards or measures. So when you, or or influenza vaccines or COVID vaccines is another, another important area. So when you go on basically click click join, fill out a form and participate at the level that you feel happy to join. Like, like Dee was saying, this is designed to be a, it's both scientific, but it's inclusive and collaborative. Uh, and hopefully you'll have a good time and learn a lot. And if we, if we do it well and we get enough people joining together, 
we we think we have a really good shot at, at making some meaningful impact. Oh, I just also want to invite people to really look around the website as well, because it links to other websites that are relevant to this collaboration method. Yeah. Don't be afraid to click on stuff is what I'm saying. <laughs> and and Anna, I, 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 by way of disclosure, um, I should mention that ASHP is a founding member of the Rapid Alliance, a member of the Steering Council, and we're just so honored to, to, be, to be able to collaborate with ASHP, but partly because of ASHP's uh, inputs, the study design itself is paying a lot of attention to health systems, to value-based care models, to the kind of shift to value that is going on. So it's, it's actually, we, the research we did, that kind of health system focus is right at the center of the conversation. And so we're just so excited to be able to collaborate with ASHP on it. Well, thank you. We're so glad to partner with you on it too, because it does align so closely with things that are very important for our members and for in the area of, in which our members work. You know, you mentioned stakeholders and you gave a really nice broad discussion over all the different perspectives and expertise and the um, disciplines with the stakeholders. But maybe do you want to spend a little bit more time talking about that and um, thinking there are national pharmacy organizations that are there's multiple beyond um, ASHP that are engaged in this because it also aligns with their priorities as well. Do you want to speak any more to that? Yeah. So um, the last year's study and, and the kind of the, the framework that we put together is really encompassing the entire pharmacist and pharmacy space as kind of the, the heart of this, if you will. Um, so absolutely, APHA and the community pharmacists, managed care pharmacy and pharmacists, uh, aging care or senior care pharmacy and pharmacists, uh, the AACP and, and all the schools and colleges of pharmacy across the country are invited and welcome to be an intrinsic part of this process. Uh, and we're very honored to have worked with Lucinda and others in that group and Dorothy. We've got some wonderful consumer advocacy representation, the chain pharmacies, the independent pharmacies, uh, and we're now in the process of adding state level of pharmacies, both working with the national, what is it? The National Alliance of the State board. Pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Uh, associations, but also one of the take-home lessons from from the research we did was you can't solve it's you can't do a one-size-fits-all nationally. You have to also understand state-level variation and dynamics and construct strategies that balance those perspectives, right? Um, and then if that was so, that's the founding core of the Rapid Alliance. It's re really the heartbeat of the whole pharmacist and pharmacy space. But then from there, the lesson learned was we can't just do it as pharmacists and pharmacies. You've, you know, pharmacy is a team-based activity. You have to, at the center of it, have patients, physicians, and nurses, pharmacists, and plans helping pay the, pay the bills, right? Uh, but you've got to get those care teams and then you need all this infrastructure support. So we've designed the, the broader collaborative structure so that if you're a stakeholder in medications, you have a seat at our table, you have a voice in our research, 
And, yeah. and I would just add that that infrastructure includes, you know, um, health IT, like community-based organizations. I mean, it's very broad. And one of the reasons is that, and this was kind of a light bulb moment to me uh, as a 30-something year pharmacist, is that healthcare is switching from that transactional fee-for-service to population health. And in some parts of the country, it truly has. In other parts, it's, it's getting there. And that's where, you know, our health system, pharmacist, um, ASHP colleagues really have a lot of knowledge because the focus has always been on system, population-based, value-based care. And now that's becoming just part of the healthcare at large, which is why the collaborative approach is so important. The one other point that, that our research found last year is that artificial intelligence, interoperability, the kind of digitization of healthcare is so important. And one of our one of our four transformational strategies is putting significant effort into putting the patient at the center of all the data about the patient. I should, I should be able to access my medications and healthcare data everywhere I go, whether it's a pharmacy in Florida or Kentucky, et cetera, right? And so there's kind of this amazing dynamism as, as new technologies are coming in. It's, it's a double-edged sword because it can be misused or not well done, and it creates changes in workflow and can dislocate jobs, but you have to deal with it. So we're, we're inviting key technology platforms as well to be an important part of this conversation to answer the question, what can we do together collaboratively to save as much as $528 billion per year and improve the health and well being of tens of millions of people living in America in the next five to 10 years? I mean, that's the question. I mean, I'm saying that kind of, but that's the question. How much more can we do than we ever imagined we could do if we do it together? Yeah, and that speaks so much as to why the timing is so right for all of this all coming together. And it certainly is a big, big task to bring all those stakeholders together. But as you said, without one of their voices, um, there would be that perspective would be a valuable missing piece. So, so it's you've done you've been so thoughtful and deliberate in who you've been reaching out to, and I'm sure that that's been a lot of work on your end. You've talked a bit about the, the Medications 360 Research Brigada. I um, want to give another opportunity to hit that again, speak to that, that um, as, as, um, as we start to kind of wrap up our discussion today. Well, I'll just um, kind of kick that off by um, maybe most of our audience might know this, but um, some may not, that well-intended medication use is if it were considered a disease by the CDC as leading cause of death, it would be the third leading cause of death ahead of dementia, diabetes, uh, right? Just third behind um, cardiovascular disease and cancer. It's that significant. Um, and so this is um, something that we, we need to actually focus on. And that's what the Meds 360 Research Regatta is about. Um, we, um, I, I just wanted to maybe get the chance to explain that, you know, um, University of Louisville Public Health School, Dr. Judith Thornhill and Dr. Anthony Sierras are not 
actually doing the research. We are doing the collaboration science um, research that provides the structure for others. So, you know, um, specific efforts, let's say to not duplicate uh, refills when a doctor discontinues something. So we know that in some states, um, people are bringing interdisciplinary stakeholders together so that when a doctor discontinues a medication, that is digitally carried through all the way to the pharmacy. Because right now that doesn't always happen, right? And And the wrong medicine gets refilled. Well, that specific project will be run by that specific boat and that specific regatta and whatever funding for that goes through there. We um, create the um, the collaboration science know-how to do that. Obviously, we can't run each and every one of these um, hundreds of studies that need to be done to prove ways to improve medication outcomes. You know, some of it might be digital. Some of it might be how do we implement MTM clinically. Some of it might be patient, you know, centered like medication literacy. And it's all different topics all at once. Judith, do you want to expand on that? Well, I was going to say the term research regatta might be new for some people. And so if you can imagine a beautiful, huge lake and hundreds of boats all rowing in synchrony like 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 great rowing teams right you know where the the oars are going in in synchrony and the coxswain is helping keep the beat amazing things can happen when people row or or behave or work together in in, in with a shared goal so all these boats rowing towards this finish line of better medications op- optimization for all people and what that means in practice, like, like Dee was saying, there's lots of kind of subclusters. A lot of these boats will actually be a combination of physicians, pharmacists, um, patient advocates, and plans working out together, boat by boat by boat, what do we think we should do? And then it's like a tournament. That's why we call it a regatta, because every five boats will roll up in the next stage of the regatta and they'll pool their findings into kind of a aggregated set of findings. And now you've got 50 or hundred people buying into a top 10 list of strategies and actions. And then we'll pull those up into yet another round. And then the entire thing culminates in, and this might happen in this coming December, a regatta summit where we bring many of us together to share what we all learned, what innovations we came up with, what strategies and next steps we want to take together. And this is the mechanism by which we, we, we hope to make this happen. And that's the collaboration science. But we were just brainstorming what to call it. And we thought, what better analogy than a regatta with all these small teams rowing together to a shared goal. So anyway, maybe that's cheesy, Anna. I don't know. But Research regatta is the name we we are using for now. It certainly helps with the visualization of it because the work that you're explaining is truly it, it is so complex. Um, but th- that analogy um, has given us a lot of opportunity to make other analogies within our conversations that we have, like Benjamin Blummel from APHA, where he's talked about a rising tide lifts all boats, and that gets back to the 
regatta approach. So I think, I think it definitely works. Well, as we wrap up and you think about the last kind of takeaways that you want listeners to have, what are the main calls of action that you'd like to consider? I know you touched on them briefly before, but this is a good chance to remind those listening what they can do to take next steps. So I would say two things. Number one, think about the extraordinary power of building trust. We, we've been got a saying, change happens at the speed of trust. So join us one way or another, because at the heart of what we're doing is a conversation to build trust and relationships. And what you can do specifically to join us and be part of what we hope is a truly wonderful set of conversations that are fun is click the join button on, you know, go to rapidalliance.org, click the join, go to medication 360 study, click the join button, participate at whatever level you want, hop in a boat and row to the finish line. And um, there's good science behind it, but those are the actions. Uh, Dee, what other thoughts? Yeah, I would just emphasize that the websites really are the portal for convening. and, And it gives you everything you need to connect, to participate. We also are disseminating through there because remember the whole idea is to take what our, what we're finding and then collate it and take what, what seems to work the best and, and move forward from there. So we have also a repository of studies and um, other efforts on, on one section of the website. And we will keep building that as the regattas keep going. Great. And we can we can provide a link to that on the, the main page for this as well. So folks have it. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank Dee and Judah. Thanks so much for your time and for joining us to discuss this important topic. Um, the name of the work, again, is the Rapid Alliance Research to Accelerate Pharmacists and Pharmacy Innovation and Delivery of Services to Improve Population Health. A lot of big words, but a lot of important topics that we've discussed discussed today. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, Anna. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.